really do. You're a 21 year old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's given you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking job, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef with Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are recording above the butcher shop in Spring Valley at Valley Farm Market with uh, my man Derek Marceau. Episode 60. 6-0. Six zero. Six nice. we- 60 weeks in a we row. Made it. Woo! Yeah, this is going to be the fucking, uh, the one that's going to put us in a, on a little hiatus, right? This is. This is a very special one. Uh, we have a very special guest coming to do our 60th episode. Yeah, and then we get to take... Uh, one week off. One week off. Bye week. It's actually our bye week. It's a bye week. Mm-hmm. Annually. Annual we, bye we, week. We do, we We're going to do an <laughs> annual bye week. Not okay. a seasonal bye week. Right. An annual bye week. Let's, uh, let's do it. Yeah, no, it's um, it's been good. 60, 60 episodes, man. Nonstop. That's a lot. Yeah, it's been. Uh, and I'm sorry if you guys have all listened to all of them. <laughs> Apologize for uh, boring spending you to sixty death. fucking hours with us. Yeah, it's a long it's, fucking time. It's a time. long time. It's a long time. How's everything, in Cali Comfort? Everything, Cali Comfort's awesome. Uh, it's just for one for those of you tuning in for the first time. This is a business and digital marketing podcast. We publish every week, every Friday. Um, we're very lucky and fortunate that Barbecue has opened up many different doors for our barbecue restaurant and Derek's Butcher Shop and. We put on barbecue events, but we also do a lot within sports entertainment and media. And for us, this whole podcast came about to talk about stuff that people don't talk about on TV. They don't talk about on radio. They don't talk about in business school, all the shit that entrepreneurs have to go through to keep the dream alive. And uh, we've learned so much from all of our guests. We're really, really lucky to have those people come and give us their time and share their stories. Yeah, all the shit that you guys don't know about <clears throat> opening a business, like going into your one of your busiest weeks ever and having four of your managers out. That's exciting <laughs> for me right now. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've had a, a few guys go down and with some uh, medical issues and a few guys with some personal issues and other guys with, you know, going on their vacations and stuff and, you know, just didn't plan strategically enough and yeah. kind of bit us in the ass, but here we are, and I'll be here all night tonight, tomorrow night, and Saturday night, and I'll be here on Father's Day enjoying my uh, Father's Day. You're, you're a new a father again. Three, three. father again. Yep, three, three. Dalton, Decker, and Dane. And uh, if Dane wants to see you, he's got to come down to the butcher shop. Dane is, uh, yeah, he weighed in yesterday at twelve pounds. Get out of here. I'm two weeks old. Yeah. <laughs> So he's uh, he's moving on up. He's not uh, he's uh, not shy. He's off the charts in height and uh, <laughs> poor poor wife. His head was uh, <laughs> big old head. So yeah. Well, happy Father's Day to you. Same and, to you, man. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll grind it out in in our businesses. But today, uh, so March eleventh, twenty fifteen, I got an email from Dominic, who's our sales rep over at uh, iHeart media uh, local radio station uh, we do a lot of different stuff over there with sports radio and rock 105.3 and he's just a fucking awesome friend um, him and his wife but he introduced me an email introduction to ernie Hahn, um, who we've had on this podcast and today's guest ari siegel ari ari you, you just can't get you can't get away from us i keep coming back you keep, keep coming back well, we, appre- we appreciate you taking the time. We know it was a drive for you to get down here and uh, making the time for 
bunch of shitheads like us, we we appreciate it, man. Um, and what we've been able to do, and like you said, the relationships that we've been able to 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 get through barbecue is pretty amazing. It's been really amazing. And Ari, you know, when when we met, he was uh, the president of the San Diego Gulls, bringing a new American Hockey League franchise to the San Diego market. And um, for him to reach out to a restaurant in East County, San Diego, took a lot of forward thinking um, on his part, because most people in his position wouldn't even have considered us as a sponsor. So Ari, tell us a little bit how that how that happened to because really what we're going to talk about today is esports, um, but we do love the history because the sports entertainment aspect and the leadership aspect. Sure. Well, first remember that when we first met, I wasn't the president of the San Diego Gulls. I was president of the uh, Anaheim Ducks AHL affiliate this to is be correct. named later. <laughs> correct. And correct. I actually had business cards that just said AHL team president. <laughs> no, no branding. No branding at all. So uh, that's how long ago that was. And interestingly, also remember at the time we were going to be playing our home games at the Valley View Casino Center, and there is another barbecue restaurant. Yes. Much closer to the Correct. Valley View Casino Center than Cali Comfort Barbecue is. Right. Um, and I had a very different experience meeting Sean than I did meeting the folks at that fine establishment. I remember uh, I had reached out to them also. Mm-hmm. Um, I was new to the community, trying to meet people, trying to understand who was interested in sports and entertainment and who wanted to be part of something new and different. Um, at the time... Valley View Casino Center was also completely turning over its food and beverage offering. Ernie and AEG were working on making the Valley View Casino Center a modern experience, kind of in a a vintage shell, I guess you would say. And they were talking to different, whether it was uh, merch providers or local businesses, to see who wanted to come in and be part of that transformation. And of course, we were targeting Phil's. Sure, Um, sure. It's the only time I'll say that name on this podcast. (laughs) No, it's Um, totally cool with us. Uh, so we had reached out to them, hadn't heard back, and I got an email from uh, them that said, we've been going through a lot of stuff, just next time you're in, let us know. Mm-hmm. So I went over and introduced myself, um, and I said, hey, I'm Ari Siegel, I'm from the Anaheim Ducks New AHL affiliate, I'd gotten an email to introduce myself when I stopped by, just wanted to introduce myself. They said, wait here, they brought me into a back room, thought I was going to be whacked. <laughs> and... And the, he, he gone. and the guy who I actually don't think this guy's there anymore, but he sits me down and he says, so what do you want? Wow. And I said, that's very inviting. I said, yeah, I was like, <laughs> I said, I, honestly, you invited me to introduce myself. Right. Uh, I figured put a face to a name and we could schedule time to talk. He goes, why schedule time? You're right here. Let's talk. So I do my whole spiel. Um, uh, we're the new team. Here's what we're going to do. It's this old brand. We're going to turn it around. We're going to transform this venue. We're going to build a, a community around this thing. Uh, and he says, yeah, we, we're not looking to grow at all. We're like full on. We're, we have every dollar of revenue we possibly need. I said, I think you're the only business in the <laughs> whole world that. that has that point of view. <laughs> right. But like, okay. I said, I see trucks driving around with your logo on it. Those trucks aren't big enough to have like barbecue in the back. That must be marketing. Sure. Um, He goes, yeah, no, we're we're just getting product from place to place. It might as well have branding. I said, okay, you're not thinking of other locations because I heard maybe Petco Park. Or he said, yeah, no, we're just not interested in any of that. I said, okay, fine. Like if that changes, let me know. Uh, And it was about the next week that I met Dominic. I think this is a good lesson in business. Dominic and I at the time were talking about maybe uh, 1360 being the radio partner for the Gulls. Mm-hmm. 
And that ultimately didn't work out for a variety of reasons, but we had developed a relationship that was about the relationship between two people that like to do business together and that are living in the same community and working in the same community. Right. And Dominic also had that relationship with Sean. And so he put the two of us together without regard to whether or not 1360 was going to be involved or not. Mm -hmm. And Sean's had a ton of success subsequently maintaining his relationship with, with those guys and doing a lot on their air over time uh, and still remains in contact with Dominic, as do I. Yeah. And that's, it's just a great lesson. Sometimes it's not a direct line. Sometimes you got to go a little bit around. You got to kind of jump out to jump back in. But if you meet people, develop relationships, you know, three years later, I'm sitting here an hour of podcasting in between me and some brisket. Right. <laughs> and, and it kind of all goes back to well, that. I, I think one of the interesting points too, was that you and Ernie were willing to do something that was different and that you were willing to ask the people that you were vetting, Hey, do you know anybody that we might not think of that might not be on our sponsor list? Because talk about the process of you go and you vet and you go, Oh, well, these are the big companies. These are the players we want to go after. But sometimes the sponsorships that mean the most are different. They're different totally. Well, the sponsorships that mean the most are a function of the principles. Who are the actual people and what is the genesis of their relationship? Because when things are going well, things are going well. And that's not what really accelerates a business forward. It's how you react when things aren't going as well. Absolutely. And if there's an authentic like business relationship and connection between principles there's an authentic brand overlap in terms of value and trajectory and audience and market. Um, but then also you just really care about the person sitting across the table from you. You mm -hmm. care about their wife. You care about their dog. You care about their kids. Um, it just the relationship takes on a completely different complexion. Yeah. Um, and that's why sometimes you talk about business as being family. You know, the people you work with, you spend more time with than you do your own family. Yeah. Uh, I talked to I talked to Sean over the last three years more than I probably talked to anybody except my wife, my parents, my absolute <laughs> closest friends, because we do business together. We become close friends. Our families know each other. Right. And, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're the two biggest dogs, um, but you're going to work the hardest. Sure. hundred percent. Yeah, I no, think it's, no, it's great. Just, I mean, having those relationships, we see it all the time and it's, you know, building those relationships it allows you to be vested in something that's bigger than you. You, you can have a, a bigger interest. And, you know, like you said, it does, it's not a, a transactional right now. It's the longevity of like the rest of our lives. Let's just, that's, we can work together forever. And it's not a, a monetary thing right away. You know, I remember after <clears throat> uh, Callie Comfort came on board as a, uh, a team partner of the goals and also a venue partner for Valley View Casino Center. And a lot of change was happening very quickly there. And they brought in this new guy, Joey Smith, who was helping Ernie turn around the F&B experience. Levy did an amazing job and Ernie and his staff did too. And the, the product, the Cali Comfort product that was being served to the customer at Valley View Casino was not Cali Comfort product. Um, no, it was a learning experience and everything else. But Sean and his staff like literally jumped behind the counter and train them and figured out how to get the product up to par right. so that the Cali Comfort experience at Valley View Casino Center was the Cali Comfort experience. Mm -hmm. And for us, you know, those are our fans, right? So if we're telling our fans, we're delivering you a Cali Comfort experience, but we're not, it doesn't just hurt Cali Comfort, it, it hurts us too. Sure. Um, and when you have partners that care that much about their own product and yours, um, you, you, 
you develop credibility with your fans be, or your community because what you say you're going to do, you're actually doing. Right. hundred percent. I think a lot of, a lot of times people, they get scared at saying something that they should say. Um, I think the true partnerships, true friendships actually in life, you know, Derek and I early on, one of the things that I valued the most about our friendship was that if he saw something at the restaurant that, you know, maybe my server wasn't doing the right thing or, you know, maybe didn't, they asked, oh, do you want change with that when they were going to check out there? But like, he would tell me those little things, not as a way to bug me, but he knows that I care that much that I want to know so that I can fix it. Here's a great story about Sean. So uh, there was one time <laughs> on that point, there was one time that Sean was like really agitated and uh, I never get agitated. Never. <laughs> and the re- and this is, I think actually at the restaurant, not at the arena. And the reason was that, and I love this. Um, one of the servers who had maybe was just like out of training, but not fully established had called the wedding beans beans. Mm-hmm. And Sean said, they're not beans. We don't serve beans. You don't serve beans at Cali Comfort. You serve (laughs) wedding beans. And I said, I was like, this is a guy that gets it. Every single thing is brand. Was it Bill Parcells that said every day you're getting better or getting worse? Yep. Every interaction drives an outcome. Are you getting better or you're getting worse? Every time someone says beans, they misrepresent the brand of Cali Comfort. Every time someone says wedding beans, they reinforce that brand. Right. Sean cares that much. No, he does. You can see it in all the details. It's something that for for Sean, what he taught me, you know, just in our 10 years of friendship, um, it's I'm very, very good at what I do when it comes to, you know, you know, hands-on, you know, butchering a, an animal, doing stuff, very strategic that way. I'm, I'm, I'm really good with numbers. That That's just, I've been blessed with a mind that works that way. Um, Sean has taught me about processes and making sure everything's consistent, about branding, about marketing. And that, I mean, those things to me, I had to get out of my own way. And it was like what you're saying. It's just everything has to be there. And it doesn't have to be a pretentious thing. You're not being pretentious about it. You're just saying, hey, the these aren't beans. These are wedding beans. These are our brand of beans. So you have to own those things. And it's like, oh, no, but I mean, it's fine. And they're just beans. It's like, it's not fine. You really have, I mean, you don't need to make a huge deal about it all the time, you know, but just learning those little things. It's like, man, because when people try something, I want them to know that that's Valley Farm or that's Cali Comfort. You know, you want them to be able to say that's that's the what I mean. That's the best. And I mean, that's just something that's uh, I've taken away over the last 10 years that, you know, continues to this day. I continue learning from him on just the that side of things. Well, let's I mean, let's bring it back to sports, right? If the Dallas Cowboys sold every single asset, quantifiable fixed asset that they could. They sold all their players for their contracted value. They sold every physical item in their offices. Um, The value of all of those things collectively would probably be 25% or less Mm -hmm. of the total franchise value. Well, why is that? It's because all that other stuff, all that intangible stuff. That's how the star makes you feel. It's it's all of that other stuff that drives the value. And there's a reason why if the Cowboys were going to be sold on the open market, what do you think? If the, if the Panthers are $2.2 billion, what are the Cowboys? <laughs> right. yeah. $5 billion? Yeah. $4.5 billion? $5 billion probably? So what's that extra $4 billion of value? It's that other stuff. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, talking about sports, Derek and I were talking about it just, just yesterday. It was, you know, you for me, my best coaches always taught me that you're going to practice how you're going to play. You know, and in business, there is no practice. Every day we're playing. 
Every single day is our game day and we have to prepare that way and we have to prepare and all those details have to matter because if they don't matter, then something else isn't going to matter. And it becomes this cascading effect that can have can be detrimental to the culture of, you know, what you're trying to create. Talk about what it was building a team here for the goals um, and kind of, you know, we have Nate here with us who we absolutely love. And I mean, Derek Dawson, Matt Savant, all the people that. We have such a deep relationship with the goals, and it's something that I never thought could happen with a sports franchise. Well, I think that's because we didn't operate it like a sports franchise per se. We, we operated it like we're trying to build a community, the most vibrant, connected community that we possibly could. And sports was the enabler of that, um, but that was the, the means and not the end, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I think every good team starts with people Um, and, you know, every good sports organization, the people are like the spine of the whole thing. And it NFL is the easiest visual, but like coach, quarterback, owner, why are the Patriots successful? Mm -hmm. You you have the Kraft family, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. It's really hard to screw up the rest of it. Sure. And arguably, like, the way the Patriots drafted in the first round over the last, whatever, five years, they should have screwed it up, but sure. they just they just keep winning um, because they have that spine so firmly in place. And for us, um, at the time, you know, the Samuelis are probably the best owners in pro sports. They're on the top tier. You know, I don't know the difference between them and the, all the other great owners, but they're – AEG's a great owner – uh, but Samuelis are in that gold-plated top tier. Mike Shulman, the CEO of the Ducks. Ernie at the Valley View Casino Center. Dallas Eakins, the coach. Bob Ferguson, the general manager. Um, it's easy to kind of execute on the ground when that infrastructure is in place and stable. Do you know that the Samuelis have never fired their general manager since they own the team? Wow. Jeez. They had Brian Burke when they started. Brian Burke left, went to the Maple Leafs. Bob Murray became the general manager, and he's been the general manager ever since. They have had one CEO, Mike Shulman, since they bought the team. That kind of stability creates predictability that you can then solve around and manage against, right? It's so much easier. Think about drafting in the NFL. If you're a Marty Schottenheimer system and you draft for three years to be able to execute Marty Schottenheimer's offense, what happens if you try to turn over to Norv Turner's offense? Yep. You have to completely redraft, re-sign for every offensive position. Are there going to be ups and downs that the Ducks won a Stanley Cup every year? No. But because they have the same principles in place with the same operating philosophy, the same objectives, the same approach, it becomes just so much easier to audit inefficiency and improve around that. So we, the first thing we had was we had that in place. The second thing was early hires. You know, Nate was the first guy we hired. Um, and Nate and I very quickly agreed that the single most important thing in order to get right in the American Hockey League, and I think it's true in all sports, is we were going to make the season ticket holder feel like they were an owner in the team. Uh, and we were going to do that because we were going to ask them not for a one-year investment, but for a multi-year investment. A generational investment. A generational investment. But we were going to make the value proposition so compelling for a multi-year deal that it was almost like if you had any interest in being a, a partial plan holder, you were going to be with the team for three years. And that gave us an opportunity to really impact the relationship because the person was in for three years. So they were going to be committed to helping you make it better. 
And then what we did was we really listened hard. We learned some tough lessons early, but we listened really, really hard. And two things came out of that, at least for us. And both, by the way, both of us are not from San Diego. Right. Um, <clears throat> San Diego is a tough market. It's a tough it's market. It's a real tough market. But, but here, here's a story. So the day that we announced the franchise, um, what happened was there was an American League press conference up at maybe in Edmonton or Calgary. One of the initial teams. You know what? It was in San Jose. It was in San Jose. John Totoro, who's the COO of the Sharks, uh, kind of led the announcement. But all the principals from the other teams were there. We announced that there was going to be a team coming to San Diego. The next day, there was going to be a press conference at the Valley View Casino Center. And Ernie said to me, we got to do a real press conference and invite everybody. And we said, you know what? It's just going to be redundant. Like we just did this yesterday. Let's just have media availability. And anyone who's anyone will be available to local press if they want it. And Ernie said, you guys, you're not getting it. Yeah. It, it's San Diego. You have to not not kiss the ring in the, no. the way that that sounds, but you have to show respect to this market. You buy, that, you buy in by getting in the water. Recognize that this is a particular market with particular people and show them the respect of talking directly to them, right? We didn't listen and it was a mistake, but we only made that mistake once. Sure. So we were going to never make the mistake again that we're a team from Orange County or a team from Anaheim and we were going to market or position this as a Anaheim Orange County asset. Mm -hmm. We were going to lean in 100% into the San Diego market, number one. And then number two, we decided that whereas most people would gather their season ticket base and feel like they had that base locked in for three years and then turn their focus to single game or groups or other things, every single thing that we did was just going to reinforce that those people had made the right decision. And those people the 3,000, was it 3,000 season ticket holders now? So there are 3,000 season ticket holders for the Gulls that are now the Gulls ticket sales staff. Yeah. 100%. The Gulls have a few people in the office who kind of put the pieces together and help deploy those resources correctly. But every other American Hockey League team is working with a ticket sales staff of 20, and the Gulls are working with a ticket sales staff of 3,000. Sure. That's the way we, we built the business. Well, I mean, the way that just for me, being a season ticket holder, a sponsor, Going to the games, I felt like I was going to high school. Nate, I mean, Nate I, says they're they're closer to four now. <laughs> that's why that's why that's why he makes the big bucks. That's why he's incredible at his job. But going to the games, I've never, I can't believe I knew so many people in the front office because you guys were boots on the ground. You were there in the arena. You were helping the season ticket holder. You were helping the fan, and you were doing that on a level that I mean, the stuff that Derek Dawson would do and go out of his way. Oh, to don't give boost up. his ego. <laughs> His head's big enough. Well, he's going to be competing in Del Mar, so yeah. the KCBS judges will, will bring, bring his ego down. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Based on his Facebook, I'd tell him a little less time on, on the second side. <laughs> you want it red in the center. Uh, but no, but like just the way that you guys approached exactly that, the season ticket holder, and buying in to your brand ambassador. I mean, those, those people not only were brand ambassadors, but they were buying into you. So... Listening is just so, 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 so important. When we bought the team, um, one of the things that Mike Shulman and I did was we spent a lot of time talking to all of the affiliates that the, the Ducks had been with previously. So we spent a lot of time talking to the folks in Syracuse and Norfolk and Portland and wherever else. 
And there was this famous story of the year after the Ducks had drafted Bobby Ryan. So people might not remember, Bobby Bryan was the number two overall pick the year Sidney Crosby went number one. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) And he's had a great, he's had a great career. He was on the Stanley Cup winning team for the Ducks in 07. He's been in the NHL for 10 plus years, like by all accounts, successful career. But his rookie year, he was going to start the season at the American League team. And that team built its entire marketing campaign around Bobby Ryan. He was on every poster, every I mean, number two pick in the draft, star, um, American-born kid, you know, all that stuff. And 10 days into the season, he was called up to the NHL and he was never there. Huh. So they had all this marketing collateral and they had sold this vision of, of Bobby Ryan. And then all of a sudden they had to rework everything. And so what we decided was the players on the ice are going to cycle through. What needs to be the star of the show is the fans and the community that they create together. Mm -hmm. So the out-of-venue experience, the in-venue experience, the connectivity of the fans, the exclusive events like our Founders Day event, opportunities for the fans to come together with an event that was really just about them. All that stuff reinforced this message that if Shea Theodore or Brandon Montour get called up to the NHL, we should celebrate that and they're a part of us forever, but the show goes on because Mm -hmm. the show wasn't really about them to begin with. Yep. 100%. 100%. I mean, there's so many synergies that I'm I'm just sitting back and taking it all in. But, I mean, just even, you know, with, with the grocery store and, and, and hospitality and, you know, just making sure that it's it's an experience. You need to make sure what differentiates some, someone like us from a commodity store is that I can create an experience when you come in. I, I want, you know, we do the five for five thing. We want to make sure that everyone's, the consumer is getting that experience. They feel welcome. They feel want, they come in. I mean, we have people that will come in now that just want to talk. You know, they just want to come in and talk to the butchers and like, yeah, hey, and, and talking. But it's, I mean, it's in business. That's what separates you. Yeah. It's just having that experience. If you want to be a transactional place, I mean, you're going to be in and out of business pretty quick. I mean, it's the same 100%. concept when it, if it comes to a, a team like that. I mean, if you just want a, a season ticket to, to get some money and you're not creating an experience, they're not going to come back next year. You guys you guys had Bruce Howard on. Yeah. Yes, thank <clears> you. Dive, you can thank you now. for bringing... Bruce is incredible. The, the best. Unbelievable. Oh, dude, fucking Bruce. And, and he... I mean, that guy's just been killing it for... Right. 40 years in business, but I love his stat that, what is it, 85% of people who go to his casino and restaurant pass another casino before they get there. Right. So, like, what is is it that's making people make that decision to do the less convenient thing? Right. Right? It's the experience that he he provides. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about before. It's it's how does it make you feel? You know, how does that logo, how does that, it's how does that it's not marketing. It's not advertising. It's, it's branding, you know, like that's the true branding where I, I feel like when I see Valley farm market, like I know it has a whole story behind it and I'm all in, you know, it's like when I, when it was with the goals, like everything, every time I wear the goals or, uh, my wife wears it or my son wears it, like we feel a certain way because we're so fucking proud of it. You know, we're proud because we're buying into that. And then when we go see other fans and they're wearing the same stuff, it gets us that much more excited. Had you ever even been to a hockey game when you became a goal sponsor? <laughs> I had been. I had been to two Avalanche games in Colorado. Okay. Uh, thanks to Garrett Blakely. Um, he's a oh Jer- another Jersey, another Jersey, friend Jersey fan. Yeah. See, uh, this is a, the the podcast network. Garrett Garrett does my life insurance. He does. He does mine as well. Yeah. He's uh, he's doing an incredible incredible. He he's a hockey family. He's the one that uh, first taught me about hockey. But it was you that kind of I guess you pushed me over the edge, big time. 
<laughs> I never knew how exciting hockey was until I went to a I game. can't believe I got you to a game. I, a I, I've been to miracle. one. I've been to one. My, you, you only uh, had two kids at the time. Yeah. My <laughs> Unfortunately, my, uh, I mean, or fortunately, my kids uh, have a bedtime. Yeah. We're very strict on um, getting them down at 730, so the later starts don't necessarily work for, yeah. for us. But I'm pretty soon my oldest will be getting, you know, we'll let them stay up till 830 with that. There you go. Nine and go to a few I dig games it. or something. It's, I mean, it's it just, there's so much action, so much action. You know, I come from football and, you know, there's a lot of downtime and with hockey, it's just go, 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 it's go, 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 go. And, and, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan. It's an incredible experience. I can actually get there and, and watch it. But 100%. It's amazing. So get get us to eSports. How, how do we, how do we get from goals to eSports? Yeah, that's a, that's pretty rad. Yeah. Going, doing what you're doing get, now. Yeah. Get, get us there. So, uh, in between the goals in esports, I went to the Coyotes, um, did a bunch of things that were kind of lifted from the goals model, right? So um, try to connect with season ticket holders, really figure out how to make people connect to something beyond maybe the initial experience. So, for example, in Arizona, you have a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a long time. You have kind of a transient population that is very snowbird driven, right? So we a book that Nate had recommended to me many years ago, How to Sell the Last Seat in the House, a lot of those best practices still apply, even though the way that we sell tickets now is much different. So How to Sell the Last Seat in the House said, you don't sell games, sell experiences, sell sellouts. If you go to the game and there's two thirds of the seats are empty, a hot dog tastes different than when you go to the game and it's packed. It's the truth, right? It's the truth, 100%. So so, um, for example, one one of the things we did was try to figure out instead of marketing 41 games what if we put all of our energy into trying to market 10 games every dollar spent every call made every resource deployed not against 41 games but against 10. Um, and you know with essentially constant on ice performance had the most ticket sales in team history using some of those strategies um and you know um kind of on the younger end of the spectrum for folks that have kind run of. teams. Well, <laughs> when, I, you, when you went to Arizona, let's be fucking honest here. I'm, they were like, what, who are you? And I'm, why are you so young? I'm, I'm aging. <laughs> I'm aging rapidly. In fact, someone, some guy, some guy, this is a true story. Some guy that I met maybe three weeks ago um, in a business setting found me on LinkedIn and he goes, uh, that picture of you, because we both went to UVA undergrad. He goes, is that picture from UVA? And I said, no, that's from last year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway, uh, yeah, so did did a bunch of that stuff. But um, for a variety of reasons, was kind of looking to do something else and kind of went back to what were the reasons why the Gulls experience really worked. And it was that spine. It was who are the people involved? What is their vision? What are their values? And was connected to this group of people um, that run this company called Immortals that I now work for that were just absolute aces across the board. So the CEO is this guy, Noah Winston. Uh, he's 23 years old, uh, college dropout. You guys will love the irony here. Um, <laughs> as, as many who have stuck in it, stuck it to the man right. in various forms. Noah his, was a Northwestern college student who was born and raised in Evanston whose parents were college professors when he dropped out to start a new sports company. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. That Um, takes some fucking balls. You can imagine that that conversation. How's that Thanksgiving? Yeah. Right. And and every Thanksgiving. And every every subsequent one, yeah. So he was, uh, at the time, 
one of the so when he started the company just prior to starting the company he was like the top ranked um sports better on every esports focused gambling site at the same time and somebody said to him and he, by the way he was also very good at betting on traditional sports someone said to him if you're this good at identifying talent and you're this good at identifying kind of like arbitrage where everybody sees this value over here, but you see the value is actually something much different. Instead of just gambling, you know, why don't you start a company? First of all, you get to gamble with other people's money. <laughs> so, so there's that. And second, you can actually be an owner as opposed to just kind of putting wagers on the board. And so he did. And he, over the course of two years before I joined, put together this just amazing investor base where they're not really investors, they're strategic partners. So there are four large strategic partners at Immortals that collectively between those strategic partners and management, we own about 80% of the company. And those strategic partners are AEG, Lionsgate, the movie studio that also owns Stars, the OTT platform, right. the Milken family, wow, and then this guy named Steve Kaplan who was a co-founder of Oak Tree Capital is an owner of Swansea City, a co-owner of the Memphis Grizzlies, and currently a, a sports and entertainment investor. And so across those entities and the people who represent those entities on our board, I should mention, it's not like we're co-owned by AEG and you know the junior ticket seller for the Berlin Ice Barons is, is on our board of directors. The chief strategy officer of AEG, someone who reports to Mr. Anschutz, Steve Cohen incredible. is on our board. It's not like some junior PA from Lionsgate is on our board. The president of Interactive Ventures Games and Digital Strategy <laughs> at Lionsgate is our chairman, Peter wow. Levin. Um, it's not like the Milken family is kind of tangentially committed to this. And so someone from the Institute is on our board. Mike Milken himself and his son Gregory are on our board. Wow. So we get the, both the organizations and the people um, that really make it work. So when I was kind of evaluating what to do next, I was thinking the things that I really enjoy are being an entrepreneur with kind of sports and entertainment as the overhang. I really like working with smart, connected people that can kind of give me the opportunity both to have vision, but also to execute. And really awesome when the ambition and the vision of others exceeds your own and you can be like, oh my God, that is a big idea. <laughs> how, how am I going to be the one that actually executes this? But that is a big meatball. Um, and the commitment that those folks had to really doing something special in esports was one that I felt could be applied to anything. I mean, eSports e was interesting because the growth is so massive and the opportunity to connect is so real and because the demographic is so, so, so attractive. But really, the reasons that I was connected to the company started with the people or interested in the company started with the people. Um, and then as I got to know them and got to understand their vision for the industry, I said, this is a rocket ship that I want to. When were you all in? Was there a conversation or was there something you saw or felt? So there were a few kind of checkpoints along the way that let me know that this was a good thing. The first was when Noah and I first met, um, we just talked about kind of brand building in sports. And I recommended a book to him called Authentic Masterpiece, which Nate's read because I made every single person on the Gull staff <laughs> read it. We're going to put all, all everything we talk about in the show notes. So anything that uh, we mention, any of the books or um, companies, we'll, we'll put in there. Okay. So 
Uh, Authentic Masterpiece is a book that was written about the creation of the Seattle Sounders, which people may not remember now because the MLS has kind of hit this golden age of expansion. But when the Sounders came, it was truly revolutionary what they were doing in soccer in the United States. Since then, both because people have replicated their model and also because I think management has improved and also because soccer is just a great sport that people are kind of figuring out why the rest of the world has known Loves this for, for forever, hundreds of years. And sure. like, we're just kind of catching up. But at the time that it was, wait a second, 40,000 people are showing up to a football stadium to watch soccer. People are marching to a match, like through the middle of downtown Seattle to go to a soccer game. Yeah. Is this, is it Manchester United playing? Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, there's this book about it. And I had read it before starting the goals and made every single person on our staff read it. And I recommended it to Noah and he called me the next day and he said, this is what we're trying to do. So really? the, the fact that he read it, the fact that he read it in a day, the fact that he connected with what I consider wow. like core source material to the way that I do business really mattered. Um, number one. Uh, number two, when we laid out our strategic plan of how we would work together, the ambition was not simply let's win a bunch of games or let's win a bunch of games in a bunch of different titles or let's build the biggest fan base that we can. That was the opposite of the goal. Uh, the goal was everybody is trying to build the biggest fan base. Let's build the most passionate fan base. Noah never once talked about the reach of the company. He talked about engagement. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, there's this guy that we work with now at Microsoft named Sean Sanford, who's the director of lifestyle marketing, who you guys should totally have on if you 100%. can. Um, he has this saying that I think defines the way immortals thinks about fan base development he says i would take one relationship over a million impressions and hmm. when, you, when you're talking about a digitally native product and there's so much focus on impressions and everybody is building their digital businesses on a cpm and a reach model and you're saying forget all of that let's go from the inside out from the bottom up um you have the chance to do something really different and I think that business works that way. John Wooden said, the trouble with new books is they keep you from reading the old ones. People respond to real connection. If you're developing a relationship with a person, just like the goal season ticket holders or the goal sales staff, if you're developing a relationship with a fan, you're making them feel connected to a brand. It doesn't matter if that's a digitally native product. It doesn't matter if it's a market. It doesn't matter if it's a movie. It doesn't matter if it's a university. They're going to evangelize for you. Um, and it's a way stickier way easier um not easier in the sense that it's easy to build that it's definitely it it's not easy it's not easy but it's easy in the sense that you're all aligned yes correct 100%. i always i always tell people 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 sometimes ask me i, I you know i consult students from stanford when they're going on job interviews or whatever and they say should i do this should i say that i say you should just be yourself because what are you going to do if you've pretended to be this other person yep. and then you get the job you're just going to be this other person terrible it's horrible yeah if if your fans are connected to you because they actually share your values. They care about who you are and what you represent. It's not easy. You have to earn that trust every single day, but at least you don't have to rethink who you are or what you stand for. Decision-making is easy. There's no, like, should we do this or should we do that? There's a right and a wrong, and it's easy to just do the right thing every time. And every time you make the right decision, it reinforces that relationship with your fan base. So we were aligned there. And then as we got into it, so even after I kind of dove in and started, there, have, there were a few early warning signs that this was a great organization with amazing people. That's got to feel great. It's 
we, we had this experience <clears throat> shortly after I joined the company where uh, we had a, so we can talk about what's happening with franchising in esports. Mm-hmm. So prior to this summer, there was no franchising in esports. So people could buy a roster, start a team, get into a league. Imagine if um, anyone could just put together a bunch of money and start an NFL team in San Diego. That was the way esports existed. Um, and two leagues, two games were converting to a franchise model where you actually had to own a franchise in order to participate. We got into one, that's Overwatch League, where we have our LA Valiant brand. We didn't get into the other, which was League of Legends. And things could have gone one of two ways there. Our board could have said, this is not what we signed up for. Um, Our board could have said, what do we do now? Our board could have said, whose fault was it? Let's point the finger and identify who did the wrong thing. The opposite is what happened. We said, we are in this together for the long haul. Let's make sure that we have the right strategy and the right resources. And let's deploy those resources against that strategy together. Um, and we had daily board calls through that process, but came out of it a month or two later with a completely different strategy, one that we were all 100% committed to. And I think motivated that the strategy that we were pursuing now was actually a better strategy for our organization and our fans and our investors than the strategy we had been pursuing previously. And the fact that we kind of closed ranks together and were united together to manage through a tough time was a just a blinking red light that these are the kind of people that you want to work with mm-hmm. and get to know um, and be in the trenches with. I never knew how big esports was. Give us know? some. Give us some overview of what we're what we're talking about. Fuck okay, for, you know, yeah, yeah. So, so League of Legends. So esports. The, the the crazy thing about esports is that it's <laughs> very complex. There's a million stats, but every chart is up and to the right. So, like, if it, <laughs> when in doubt, just just assume assume it's going up and to the right. So, a few just numbers that are you just shake your head. In by. 2020, 2021, there will be half a billion of people participating in mobile games globally. Five years ago, really, mobile games didn't even exist. It's 500 million people. The biggest esport right now is traditionally, as far as kind of viewership and then player base, because those things are different, right? Like you can play League of Legends, but not necessarily be a fan of League of Legends as an esport, just like you can play golf, but you may not watch the US Open this weekend. Sure. But League of Legends, the granddaddy of esports right now, has 100 million monthly active players, give or take. There is a mobile esport called Arena of Valor that's been around for less than three years in China. It's called Honor of Kings over there. It has 100 million daily players in China alone. I mean, so just to interject, the when we went to the Chargers game and I went up, took you to StubHub, mm-hmm. we went up to Thunder Alley and got to hang out and just being able to spend that time with you to find out what you were doing with esports and why you were so excited about it. I think it was the Twitch moment when you started explaining Twitch to me. Oh yeah. The how ESPN many stat. fucking people are watching this yeah. so, <laughs> and what they're watching. Well, so Twitch is a platform that's uh, that Amazon acquired a couple of years ago for about a billion dollars. And I think industry insiders <laughs> would tell you that it was actually Amazon's best acquisition to date. 
Um, in other words, the value... They weren't busy enough buying Whole Foods. This was before Whole Foods. Although the funny thing about Whole Foods is, if you look at what happened to Amazon's market cap on the day that Amazon bought Whole Foods, it was almost like the market said, oh my God, Jeff Bezos, thank you so much for buying this asset. We want to give you this thing and also an extra $3 billion just for your troubles. Right. Because they're, they're, you know the increase in right. their market sure. cap exceeded the value of the acquisition by like right. $3 billion. Bucks. Great to have that reputation. Right. Um, but... So Twitch is essentially the home of, excluding China, it's the home of live streamed content, uh, particularly for gaming. And, and that involves some esports content, but it also involves just streaming content. So there are not two and a half million esports teams, but there's two and a half million content creators on Twitch. And that involves people like Ninja, who you might've heard of from Fortnite. It involves professional esports players. It involves influencers. And it's, it's really like democracy on over the top. And that's their primary it's, platform. It's correct. Democracy meets um, over the top distribution because anybody can upload their own content and the market determines what's good content and what's not good content. It's not like the TV model where a year before a show is on the air, a network is reviewing a thousand scripts to approve 20 pilot. I don't know if these numbers are right, to approve 20 <laughs> pilots. 10 get made, three go to air, and then two actually get picked up for the next 18 Mm -hmm. episodes or whatever. It's not that. Anybody can go online and the market determines, not a bunch of suits, the market determines what the good content really is. Um, And right now, on a monthly basis, well, I'll ask you guys, you guys are big sports fans, how many minutes of content do you think are consumed on ESPN on a monthly basis? Per person? Total. Total minutes. Total minutes viewed on ESPN. Every single person viewing times the minutes that they oh, view fuck. on a monthly basis. I, that's, I would need my calculator. <laughs> a ton. What, what would be a stupid number? A billion. A billion. Okay, that would be. That right. would be. It's actually 8 billion. 8 billion. Wow. 7 to 8 billion minutes per month on ESPN. On Twitch, According to Nielsen? Yeah. Yeah, Nielsen, Disney, and people report the minutes consumed. Although, this is pre-ESPN Plus, of course, but ESPN Plus in many ways is inspired by Twitch, I think. Um, In any case, Twitch has over 26 billion minutes a month of consumed content. That's insane. Video content. And so, like, three and a half times as much content consumed globally as ESPN. So this is people viewing the games being played. Yeah. Games or practices. So we have our players. Dude, I'm so... This Um, is like... Imagine... (laughs) Imagine if... Imagine if you're a Chargers fan, right? Imagine. I know we yeah. have one. We have in one the Chargers room. fan. One. <laughs> the last one standing. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine if, to supplement the 16 games that you get to watch a year, Philip Rivers said, once a week for the entire offseason, I'm going to wear a GoPro and I'm going to let you watch me practice. And I'm also going to mic myself up so that you can hear me talking to my quarterback coach and my receivers. And in fact, I'm actually going to have a thousand fans or every fan who wants to watch live come and join me and I will interact with you during that practice. Do you think that would be interesting to people? I think I think if you're playing high school football and you have a son that's playing quarterback. You, well, I'm just you, happy you, that fucking Ari gets me. <laughs> he, can, he can break it down that way to where I fucking understand it. So thank you for that. that so, so that's the kind No, for sure. Though. I mean, it, it just brings so much value. Right? It's, it's different. It's real. I mean... 
I will tell you right now, go on Twitch and look at what a live stream looks like. That is what sports consumption will look like on every platform. I watched it watch this morning. I was just, I, I can't believe it. It's incredible. And here's why. It involves the core content, right? So you yeah. see whatever it is that you're watching. You also get to see what that person is watching. So imagine if you're watching an NFL game and you can actually see the the broadcast image, but you also have a GoPro that shows you what Rivers is looking at when he drops back, when he makes his read. And imagine if also you could communicate in real time with your friends and other fans as you're watching this in an immersive, social, digital, virtual experience all at the same time. That's what you get when you watch on Twitch. And that's why... 26 billion minutes of this stuff is being viewed on a monthly basis, primarily by people under the age of 25. Well, and it helps the person who's doing the, the, the Philip Rivers because he can go back and now listen to what other people are talking about. Like if he missed a read or something, right? So I don't mm-hmm. know how it applies to the, to the games, but it will make him better. He can say, well, yeah, shit, I could have. Maybe it's a perspective that he didn't see. Now he can get better. I mean, I think it's a lot. It, it's going back to the craft. And if you think about it just in barbecue terms, the more that we share our craft, the more engagement that we're getting. Because yeah. it's not about what we do at Cali Comfort. The vulnerability too. It's the vulnerability, but it's the learning. Yeah. Like that's like it's education at its best. Well, why do you? Why does Cali Comfort on a daily basis show the ribs and the hickory smoke as video content? Yeah. And why do you show these beautifully composed plates? To highlight different menu items every single day or every Sunday morning, I see that MFing Bloody Mary, <laughs> Bloody Mary with, with the, the bacon candy. and everything uh, else. And, cor- you know, egg, cor- Corey's candied bacon. Yeah. Why do you do that? It's because in addition to the experience that someone has when they're coming to the restaurant, you want to create an experience that extends beyond the restaurant and encourages people to interact with your brand and feel like your brand is present and to anticipate and look forward to their next visit. Mm-hmm. Do you know when people are most looking? Do you know when people in a typical work week peak in terms of happiness? Friday afternoon. No, it's actually Thursday night or Friday morning. It's because they're anticipating the weekend. Once you get to Friday afternoon, you're already in it. You're already thinking about the plan that you have Friday night and then Saturday and then Sunday and then back to work Monday when everyone in the room is nodding, by the way. On Thursday night, it's all in front of you. Yeah. And so if you're a fan of Cali Comfort Barbecue and you can start that interaction when you see the Bloody Mary in content before you actually go and experience it, yeah. the, the experience is longer, it's richer, it has a longer tail, it's more shareable, it encourages you to share it with others or invite other people to join you. It just takes all of the good things and makes them better. Mm-hmm. And so the way that esports content is delivered is about taking the live experience of the games themselves and augmenting them with all of these other live touch points between player and fan and team and fan and fan. And then critically different from other sports, allowing fans to take that and apply it to their own gameplay. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Well, I mean, that's what behind the smoke is for us, you know, Derek showing a, showing somebody how to break down a hog. That's it. That's valuable information to somebody that's on the other side of the world. You know, that might be trying to do the same exact thing. And when you hear someone talking about that, it makes you hungry. Why is that? How come I'm listening to someone talking about breaking down a hog and it makes me hungry? That's completely irrational. (laughs) But it's because in my mind, our brain does gymnastics for us, right? Our brain starts a journey. I know that 
the breaking down of the hog puts the hog in the position to get salt on it to start getting the juices released or whatever and then Sean and Gene are throwing it on something and if I wake up at three in the morning tomorrow, I could get tri-tips sliced just right. right. Yeah, you know what I mean? 100%. And it's the start of that thing. How do you connect to people at the start of the thing and keep them there to the actual meal and then extend the experience after? Twitch does that in real time for people. And it's available anytime on demand for free on any device. Mm-hmm. I can watch Overwatch right now. Yeah. I can watch Counter-Strike right now. I don't need Time Warner to do it for me. I don't need DirecTV to do it for me. I don't need the NFL to say it's okay to have a live game right now. I don't need the Players Association and the NFL to allow a player to bring me inside of his training or whatever else. I don't need an owner's permission. I can get live, on-demand, or other content from content creators and players and other influencers free Whenever I want it, wherever I want it. The world is going in that direction. 100%. 100%. Talk, talk about OTT because I think that's fascinating from a hospitality standpoint. You know, we wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for my love of sports entertainment and the liquor license that came along with the voicemail that you heard at the beginning of the podcast. Um, but really, the liquor license was the activation point to turn into a sports entertainment restaurant. DirecTV has been gouging us for 10 years plus in order to pay for these fees. Talk about uh, OTT and what, what it is. So traditional sports, when I say traditional sports, I basically mean just not esports. Yeah. Um, traditional sports, their revenues, their valuation, all of the business metrics associated therewith have been, has been supplemented for many years by essentially subsidies paid by cable subscribers. Uh, so nobody believes that everybody in a market is watching the Padres every time they're on. But the way that cable bundles are priced and sold is a function of households, not viewership. So whatever the Padres are getting for their uh, local rights or the Ducks or the Minnesota Wild or the Memphis Grizzlies or whomever else, Roughly 80% of that value is a function of market size. Whether the team is the best in the league and drawing the best ratings or the worst in the league and drawing the worst ratings. That model is being broken because no one under the age of 25 is subscribing to cable. I have a friend, Bryce, uh, who's works for this company called Catalyst. You can follow him at at eSportsLaw. Little plug for Bryce. Um, And he has this saying... Every day a baseball fan dies and two esports fans are born. <laughs> and and you could kind of extrapolate that and say every day a cable subscriber dies and two OTT subscribers are born. Sure. Um, and so there's this transformation that's underway where progressive sports organizations are trying to think about how do we get in front of this change? So like Ted Leonsis in Monumental Sports and Entertainment and the Clippers and others are trying to think about how can we get our content directly to viewers whether or not they have cable? How do we come up with a bundle of rights or a bundle of content that is interesting and get it directly to people? That's why ESPN is building plus around things like hockey that's not available on ESPN Linear, around the UFC, because the UFC fan out there that wants their UFC, they're willing to they're willing to buy ESPN Plus on a monthly basis, even mm-hmm. if they're not willing to pay 130 bucks for the base plan on Time Warner Cable or whatever. Right. So there's this transformation underway, and 
esports fans, you know, young millennial Gen Z consumers are leading the charge because everybody wants to, this is all market driven. Yeah. It's all brand driven. The brands want to get to people that are 34 and younger. The 18 to 34 year old male consumer is the person primarily targeted by many, many brands. Which is of course ironic because most purchases are made by women. Yes, I never 100%. understand. I never understand why people are targeting. So men. driven to the men. I don't buy myself anything. Nothing. My wife, you know, like. But in any, I guess I'm not in the 18 to 34 demo anymore. I left no. that, left that behind. Yeah, that's true. Um, but but th- that market, that audience that people want to reach is not on cable. So brands are trying to think, how do we get to these people? Which is making the OTT value proposition that much greater. And so um, customers now, fans of ours or consumers of media and entertainment are picking the things that they want Mm -hmm. and associating the value that they want with those things. So the interesting thing about the young consumer that I didn't really appreciate fully until I started working in esports People think of this person as highly price sensitive, and that's actually true only when it's stuff that they don't want. They refuse to pay for stuff that they don't want. They will actually overpay for stuff that they do want. Um, So, for example, Netflix is something that they tend to want. And Netflix has increased its prices however many percent over the last couple of years, and subscribers have increased, not decreased, even though price went up. Why is that? Because there's more of the good same thing that people are coming for. Compelling content delivered on demand when I want it with a very sophisticated algorithm that helps me curate that vast library and figure out the things that I'm likely to want. Sure. Um, So interestingly, when you look at the way that people are carving up the platforms that they subscribe to. So I subscribe to Netflix and I subscribe to uh, CBS All Access and I subscribe to Hulu or whatever else. Very often... The monthly fee is greater than if I had subscribed to cable. Sure. But the portability of it is greater, and I I ascribe some value to that. Um, And it is more specific to my concerns, right, and to my wants and needs. And so it's not about the total price that I'm paying. It's the combination of access, availability, convenience, and value. Mm -hmm. And young consumers find that by selecting a la carte through OTT offerings rather than a cable bundle. Feel also, like they're feel like you're in control. Yeah, like you're, I, I, you're in complete control. Right, and, and you don't have to deal over. with Time Warner customer service, which <laughs> it's the worst. I mean, the fact that these companies and these institutions have been built on, and they've reduced payroll by having shitty customer service. I mean, just look at taxi cabs. I mean, I remember when I was when I was getting taxi cabs, I would call dispatch, and dispatch, you'd be on hold for 15 minutes. They tell you, uh, "Can I get an estimate of when the cab's going to come? Might come in 15 minutes. Might come. We we don't do that. We don't give that to you." What about delivery? Have like, you ever called for food delivery where they didn't say the food just left? Right. Yeah, it's, it's always every, just oh, left. Every, it always it's just, just left. left. Absolutely. Well, now you can checks track in the it mail. With, with, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Now you can track it with Postmates. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, just having that uh, control. I think you know when you. No one wants to be taken advantage of, and I think you know these millennials and everyone are, are starting to understand that they will pay more if it's what they want. Exactly, and, and then they they can be in control of it. This is what I want to watch. I don't mind paying the money, but just give it to me the way I want it, and that's that's what we're seeing. I mean, yeah. we're seeing it just in the craft of, of food. Everyone, you know, I'll, they'll pay more for a high quality steak. They'll pay more for the organic produce. It's just what they want. Don't force them to buy something yeah. they don't want. Well, you know, the, I mean, the, the cable industry is a product of kind of government regulation and lobbying, right? Like 
I can't just start a cable system in San Diego. Yeah. It has to be one that's kind of allowed access to the market by the local government. OTT is completely different. Yeah. I don't need... San Diego can't tell me to subscribe to right. Netflix versus Amazon Prime Video. Correct. I get to choose. Yep. And those entities... My can, HOA doesn't even control that. Your HOA? No, it, <laughs> they can't even. They can't even stop me You from can that. get your dish. <laughs> You're equivalent of a dish. But you as a consumer get to determine if the content that's being offered and the service that's being delivered and the overall value is worth the price. Mm -hmm. No one gets to regulate and control the entrance to that market. The content creators do. I'm, I'm extremely pumped up for you, man. Just listening to you with the passion that you have for what you're doing right now. I mean, I can see it, how fucking jazzed you are about it. It's, it's really awesome to see. Well, the thing that's like so, so, so exciting about it is the whole industry is going to go up, right? There's it's no doubt about it. More people are converting to the kinds of content consumption that favors esports. The player base, the base of the pyramid is growing. Mobile has solved tremendous access problems. For the five years I was working in hockey, the biggest challenge was how do we get people to play Jesus. so that they can understand it? Well, how many people do you know who don't own a smartphone? Well, actually, let, since we're on the mobile, let's just talk about how hard it was to fucking stream the goals game in Cali Comfort. Oh. I mean, you and I had multiple long, oh, in-depth conversations <laughs> about how oh, the God. fuck can't this get fixed? This is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It's 2016. It's 2016 and I can, you want me to put something that's not in high def on the TV? Well, forget that it wasn't in high <laughs> def. Remember the prices they wanted to charge They wanted me you? to pay more than the NFL Sunday ticket. Yeah. For AHL hockey. And all I wanted was the goals game. Like, talk about a broken model. It's a tough one. That's tough a, one. That's, that's, that was a tough one. I sent Ari many, 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 many emails. Look, D Dave Andrews, the president of the AHL, does a phenomenal job. I think he's one of the most underrated league executives maybe in the history of pro sports. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. It's a tough really, one. really tough. But, but going back to your question, Derek, or your point, the whole industry is going to do great. But the fact that our strategy and the way that we're building our business is so different from the way everyone else is doing it, that makes it really cool um, and challenging and fun. And the fact that I am 100% convinced that we are right and everybody else <laughs> is wrong is like the icing uh, on the it's cake. It's the icing on the cake, isn't it? But I mean, when you go back to you know what you were talking about with Noah and that's going deeper. Oh, yeah. Like, it's you're going deeper and you're getting a deeper engagement and it's not about the impressions. You know, it's about how do you make that one-on-one -on -one connection? Do you guys know the phrase double bottom line? No. No. So in business, double bottom line is... Is that a Stanford thing? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't know where it's from. It's Stanford, JD, MBA. Yeah. Five, le five letters uh -huh. that nobody cares about uh -huh. except my mom <laughs> who cares deeply. <laughs> um. A double bottom line means like when you do the thing that's right, so that bottom line, what's the right thing? What's going to benefit someone else? Very often, it's also the best thing for your business. Like think of Tom's Shoes. Tom's Shoes built its brand around this kind of buy one, give one model. Mm -hmm. And that created this totally differentiated brand pop proposition that resonated with people globally and turned Tom's into a multi-billion dollar business. Double bottom line. We think of our business that way too. We can do the right thing. We can connect on a totally different plane. We can have an impact in the community. And if we do those things right, it's also going to be the right thing for the traditional bottom line of our business. Mm -hmm. 100%. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm, I, I learned something new today.
Well, I learned a lot of shit new today about this fucking esports stuff and how damn big it is. You it's know, and how it's growing and, t- and you know, I'm I'm I've never been into it. I've never, you know, shit I've stopped playing when I was playing Atari, you know, that was a <laughs> long time ago. But man, it's it's just I have different friends that, that play and people watch them and they, you know, they actually make money on it. You know, yeah. everyone's, it's just amazing what's going on in this whole industry. There's this virtuous cycle in esports that is different than most traditional sports. So if I've asked this question to rooms of like hundreds of people, I say, how many people watch the Super Bowl this year? And everybody puts their hand up. And I say, keep your hand raised if the night of the Super Bowl after the game was over, you said to yourself, I saw Tom Brady do this amazing thing. I'm going to go do it. No one's hands up. I say, okay, put your hand back up if you played football with 21 friends, tackle football within a week of the Super Bowl, no hands. A month of the Super Bowl, no hands. A year of the Super Bowl, no hands. In esports, the vast majority of people that are watching can get to play. Right. Yeah. And they get to play in the exact same environment as the people they, they just watched. Too late. The same visuals, the same weaponry, the same characters, the same IP. Imagine if instead of watching the Super Bowl and having that be the experience, where was the Super Bowl this year? Minnesota, U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah. Imagine if you could be in U.S. Bank Stadium playing that game with your friends or people that are exactly the same level as you the second the Super Bowl ended. Do you think you'd watch the Super Bowl with a little bit more of 100%. a focus? Do you think that your gameplay would be kind of inspired and motivated right after? Do you think that would cause you to watch again to keep improving? There's this didactic component to why people watch. Um, and that didactic component is complemented by the sense of community. We talked about it earlier. There's all these other people watching at the same time and you can interact with them. And then there's the hype element, which is we all know that feeling. You don't need to know anything about sports. You could be an alien and you could watch LeBron James do something and sit up in your seat and be like, holy right. crap, that holy looked shit. really cool. Yeah. And the same thing when you see Alexander Ovechkin take a slap shot. And the same thing when you see Mike Trout running the bases. And the same thing you see when you see, uh, I don't know, Philip Rivers kind of rolling to his right and throwing a pass. And it's kind of someone makes a sideline catch. You just you don't need to know anything to know that you're witnessing something cool. Mm-hmm. That exists in esports, too. But it has those other elements. Sure. It has that didactic component where you can actually improve your own gameplay. And it has that socially immersive component where you're watching it with all these other people globally at the same time and you can connect with them. Let's let's uh, let's bring it to activation on site mm-hmm. watch parties. Why is Luxor building something that they built out there and what else is happening? So, by the way, I was actually in Vegas recently, and um, my room at the MGM was double booked, something that would never happen at Valley View Casino and Hotel. <laughs> and, and, and they offered me um, the nicest room at the Luxor yeah. for the night. That was the tallest midget of Vegas hotel rooms, let really? me say. It was, whew, it was tough. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was tough. Um, but we got through it. Anyway, so I was at the Luxor. So why, why, why is the Luxor building this venue? They're building the venue, I think, because they're trying to figure out ways to attract the esports demographic to Las Vegas mm-hmm. for all of the reasons why Las Vegas wants people in Las Vegas. You lose a bunch of money at the casino. You overpay for a bunch of food at the buffet. Um, you kind of hang out at the pool parties, which have to be the highest margin event in the history of mankind. <laughs> 
I mean, it's a right? pool. It's a pool. What are your what are your hard costs, chlorine? Right. <laughs> I mean, the DJ. Amazing. The, I guess the DJ, but like the DJ can come out for like five seconds. Yeah. Right. I've heard of these DJs. They spend like ten minutes at ten different places, and they get a yeah. hundred thousand bucks from each or something. Yeah. So you get to hear the DJ for one song, but you're paying two hundred bucks to be there for the day. It's that's, crazy. That's to get in. That's I, without that, the in bo- my, without in, the bottle service or the cabana. Life, in my next life, I want to be a DJ. <laughs> Anyway, I would, I would go to that show. So that's one form of activation. I mean, they're trying to recruit people with premier events. Um, again, I think this is one area where we're a little bit different. So the top of the pyramid is always going to be that live championship event. But what we try to do is supplement that with community events. Go where the customer is. I don't want to have to have the customer go to Las Vegas to interact with a fan and deepen my connection to a fan. I want to understand where that fan is and wrap them in an experience that connects them to our brand that I can control without regard to team performance, without regard to venue availability. So here's an example. In our LA Valiant brand, so we operate three brands, um, which is very different than most esports organizations. Our LA Valiant brand, so this is an Overwatch League, which is the only league with geolocated franchises. We are the LA Valiant. We are the, there's a team called the Boston Uprising that's owned by the Kraft family. There's a team called the New York Excelsior that's owned by the Wilpon family who owns the Mets. We are the LA Valiant. We're LA's team, Southern California's team. We're going to be activating in San Diego. And we can talk about why it's called LA and not Southern California uh, and whatever else. Leave that to Scott Kaplan's podcast. Yeah. Uh, okay. But we what we said is we need to understand the people in this market that are getting missed. Not just missed in esports, but just getting missed. And we looked at our audience, again, we listened to our audience, and we saw that there was this very real and authentic connection to the LGBTQ community. Where do you think, what is the event, the single event in Los Angeles that probably is the biggest magnet for people in that community? I would argue it's probably LA Pride. Yeah, Pride, yeah. So we said, we know that this community who loves and supports us is going to be out in force for LA Pride. Let's come up with an event at LA Pride, meet them where they are. So we have this broad event series called Be Valiant that is entirely designed around this premise. Let's understand minority communities that are missed because everybody is focused on reach and audience size and we're focused on individual relationships. And let's come up with programming specific to those minority communities. Let's not bundle all those minority communities and have the minority community event. Let's have a LGBTQ event at an LGBTQ event. We, so here was what we did. We, first of all, came up with a partnership, um, the first esports partnership with an LGBTQ-affiliated nonprofit, the You Can Play Project. So the You Can Play Project has deep roots in hockey and traditional sports, and their premise is so simple and yet so powerful. If you can play, you can play. doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, green, male, female, gay, straight, who cares? Sure. It's about playing. We're doing this for fun. Everyone can play. Powerful message, powerful organization. We brought them in as a partner. We didn't just bring them in as a partner in some sort of value exchange. They're actually going to be giving sensitivity training to our staff and players. Wow. Because we want our staff and our players to be evangelists for this cause and allies in this community. We have to have that authentic link. The buy-in has to happen to con- both both ways. Connect to this community in a real way and make it work. I can't have a player on a stream say something. This happened in Overwatch League. A player said something very antagonistic and toxic towards this community. I can't have that 
if I'm going to be telling fans, again, it's easy if you're consistent. I'm telling this community, we share your values. Yep. So I have to back that up, right? So we partnered with the You Can Play Project, step one. Step two, we came up with a piece of merchandise. A, we took our Valiant logo and we came up with a rainbow lo version of it and we produced pride patches. Very authentic to that community. There are pride patches everywhere, but super connective to our brand. We had our players wear those patches in competition. The first esports team to ever do that. Right? Wow. That and that's a message that is broadcast. Has any other professional globally. team done that? No, uh, I doubt that. I think around like, Pride in the NHL, players have worn have had rainbow tape on their sticks, but I don't know if they've had their actual core team logo in rainbow. I'm not sure. Maybe, hmm. but either way, we also sold patches so fans could buy them online. And we donated the proceeds of those sales to the You Can Play project. And we actually gave those patches away at the arena when our team was playing. But then we had an activation at Pride at a sports bar and restaurant that was along the parade route where we brought together cosplayers and we had raffles and prize packs and programming that was all about integrating our brand and our franchise in an authentic way with Pride on the parade route during Pride. And the bar told us, Jim Sports Bar in West Hollywood, they had the most people come through of any day in their history. Wow. And it was because, number one, we picked the right location, yeah. location, 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 right? We were on the parade route, talking to a community and creating something slightly different and maybe value add for people that were engaging in this experience. And then we had a fan base that was connecting to us because we were connecting to this cause and we were able to put those things together with great partners to support it. Jim Sports Bar and the You Can Play Project. Mm -hmm. So when we think about activation, notice, by the way, I didn't say anything about digital. Yep. I, I didn't say anything about kind of global distribution. I didn't say anything about scale and reach. Right. I talked about a small and specific community and trying to come up with a 360 degree program that would connect them to our brand in an authentic way on their terms. And we've done that also with kind of girls in gaming is another cause we care a lot about. We brought Microsoft in as a partner to tell a story that was, we need to get more women into the gaming industry. And this isn't about one female player. Everyone, when we talk about the inequalities in sports, everyone focuses on Michelle Wee. Yeah. Can we get one professional female golfer to compete with the men? It, to, my, to me, if that happens, great. But is that really the point? Aren't right. we talking about access opportunities, yeah. equality, creating a welcoming and fair environment and encouraging young women, young girls to participate and then encouraging them with opportunity throughout their career. Isn't isn't that the point? At least that's the point to me. No, absolutely. So we had this event, Girls <clears throat> in Gaming, presented by Microsoft at the Microsoft Lounge in Culver City, an event designed by women for women where we brought together executives from publishers, um, executives from distributors, executives from console companies like Microsoft, uh, professional streamers, professional female players, people from our staff, they came together for a day of programming and workshopping and community that was all around, look, we are a community together of women. We can be together and support each other and help each other get more opportunities in this industry, professionally, as an executive, professionally, as a player, or even just as a fan. And by the way, for both of those events, our Pride Party and our Girls in Gaming Summit, before the event, just because we were talking about these things online and connecting to community partners, 
and leveraging other partner relationships, be it Microsoft or you can play or others, people who had credibility in the marketplace already because we're a new team, a new brand. Before the event, we had millions of impressions, wow. millions, plural. After the event, we had millions of impressions, yep. but we didn't do it because of the impressions. That's double bottom line. Right. It was the right thing and it drove the right result. Yeah. And that's how we're building our Valiant brand. We're creating in real life what we call IRL experiences, small and specific that deliver immense value. And then we complement and scale those experiences with content. And that content we can distribute globally. And that makes people that weren't at those events feel connected. It makes them anticipate the next one so hopefully they'll go. It gives the people that were at the event a chance to relive it and share it with their friends and family and become that outside sales force that's connecting new and different people to our brand. That's how that's how we're building that's how we're building the Valiant brand here in Southern well, that's California. That's very honorable too. I mean, <clears throat> and it's you know, for for us, I think, you know, you get like what you're talking about, people get so caught up in reach and then who they're getting exposed to. And it's not, it's not always that it's when you can focus on, on something in, in a group and, you know, getting those people to really buy in. That's, that's, what's really important. And, you know, to see someone on, on such a macro level doing the right things is pretty, pretty uh, impressive for us to, to hear you talk about that. It's awesome. What do you think the goals experience helped you to shape how you, you said, you feel right and you know you're right. You Do you know you're right because of what you've had to go through to get to where you are? Um, that's a good question. I guess I have 10,000 hours of being wrong. <laughs> I guess I'm a, I'm a genius at being wrong. Well, I guess when you come to Spring Valley and you go to Troy Street and you see the area that we're in and then yeah. you find a partner like us mm -hmm. and you do that on different throughout San Diego with all of the Gulls partners... Um, once you go to a new community like esports, it's easier to take those positions. Yeah, I, so that's true. I'm, it's a really good question that you ask. The, th the lessons that I take from the Gulls experience are, I, I hate to say it because it sounds so trite, but it's like the first thing I, that Ernie Hahn said when he met me, uh, and it's the first thing that Sean said, and it's the first thing that Nate said. You know, you know by the way, when Nate left Charlotte, uh, and he left season ticket holders behind. He maintained a relationship with these people. And I went back with him a year after. And when people saw him in Bojangles Coliseum where the Charlotte Checkers play, they actually cried. <laughs> <laughs> That's rad. Like, it's, it's relationships. It starts with relationships. And so I think we're right because across our three brands, for different reasons and with different angles, we are focused very specifically on developing relationships. The partners that I have for our MIBR brand might not be the same partners for our Valiant brand, but those are two different brands and two different fan bases, right? And so the, the kind of community, Southern California, equal access, low prices, Valiant brand, which I think is very similar to kind of the, the goals brand, is completely different from MIBR, which is established in many ways. The players are global international superstars. The and, and because of that, the colors are sleek. It's black and it's silver. It's metallic. It's higher prices, limited supply, scarcity driven. It's it's talking to a different audience. And again, mm -hmm. it, it becomes easy. When, when, when we're selling that, when that's what we're selling with MIBR and people are responding to that, we're, they're going to get what they paid for. And with Valiant, 
when people come to our events and they feel that community, they feel that very physical Southern California equality driven opportunity to be together and connect to this digital product in an in real life way, it becomes really easy because they came for those reasons and we just continue to reinforce the reasons they came. That was the lesson of the goals. I remember Nate and I, it was our first Wednesday game. It was, it was, it was November. It was the Wednesday before Veterans Day. And it, we had a, a guest from the American Hockey League office. And Nate and I were spending all of our time. It was the third game, the third home game. Remember, fo- there was Foggate, then there was Willie O'Reilly, <laughs> and, then, and then there was this game. And uh, <laughs> was that a laugh track? <laughs> I just, it was someone, someone outside. I think it was someone outside. And we had, we had this guy from <laughs> it was the... was Ernie Hahn laughing. Like, <laughs> Ernie podcast. remembers. <laughs> but we had this guy. And by the way, Rick from, uh, from Rock and Baja Lobster did this amazing Taco Tuesday activation with us, even mm-hmm. though I think it was a Wednesday. Was it a Tuesday or a Wednesday? It was a Tuesday. Okay, so we did this Taco Tuesday thing. And we, this guy from the AHL League office was trying to talk to Nate and I about group sales. Because group sales represent probably 80% of the tickets sold in the American Hockey League. And we had not really hit our stride as a group sales organization. And Nate and I were focused 100% on interacting with all the season ticket holders that were there. And we had this moment of recognition where it was like, I, we completely understand what your perspective is on this. And that might be right in 29 other markets. Yeah, It's possible, maybe not likely, but possible. But we're just, we're not interested in building an organization where 80% of the sales are group sales. Yeah, Group sales to us are essentially a loss leader to convert people into season ticket holders. 100%. Our time needs to be spent this first weekday game, the first game where the upper deck isn't full. We need to be thinking about creating a reason where those people feel seen and heard, the season ticket holders. And I think we were right. Yeah. And so, like... I do think that kind of some of those proof points um, help a lot. And the other thing is, going back to our board, our board, each of those people, despite the fact that they're super established and represent what are now very powerful organizations, are entrepreneurs. Mike Milken, one of the biggest names in global finance, but the guy created high yield debt. He's an entrepreneur. Steve Kaplan started one of the most at its time, progressive, forward-thinking, different, disruptive investment entities in the entire world. Like investing in distressed assets was just not something that people did from an equity perspective until Oak Tree, AEG. AEG created the idea of a sports and entertainment district. They, They created the idea of, wait a second, if we can create this infrastructure above a bunch of different team assets, we can actually deliver highly efficient, well-priced services, but in a very brand specific way across different platforms. So for example, like the same people are selling the Galaxy as are selling the Kings, but those brands are designed to achieve completely different objectives. The AEG DNA is there, but it's deployed to reach a soccer fan in Orange County or, or Southern California. It's deployed to reach a a hockey fan in Los Angeles. It's deployed to reach a concert concert goer against Coachella in the desert, right? Entrepreneurship in sports and entertainment. Peter Levin 
was one of the first employees at Disney Digital. He founded, co-founded Nerdist Industries. He started the interactive ventures and games division at Lionsgate. And so we have this deep bench of people with decades of experience being entrepreneurs in all these different industries that we can kind of stress test our assumptions against. And it's not mm -hmm. like the first idea is always right, but when we kind of go to our board and we say, we feel like we're right and here's the reasons why, like what do you guys think? And we can work together to refine the idea and the strategy, but the end of that journey is something that all of these super experienced, qualified, brilliant people and their organizations are aligned against. That makes you feel pretty comfortable that you're doing the right thing. And going back to the goals, Henry, people forget this about Henry Samueli. The guy is a brilliant entrepreneur. And he has made however much money he's made. It starts with a B and ends in an S. <laughs> you, you, by the way, he, he's giving it all away and you'll never hear him talk about it. But do you know what that guy does every day? He's the CTO of his company. He's connected and committed to the technology. It started about the technology and it remains wow. about the technology. When, when you have that kind of just commitment in ownership, that connection to a core product, that appreciation of what it takes to deliver a product to market, and you say, hey, Henry, here's what we're thinking about our product. What do you think? It makes you just feel more comfortable about your decision making. 100%. 100%. You, you know the value of mentorship. I mean, think yeah. about what Gene has done in getting you guys connect, not, not only in teaching you what it takes to actually execute that product consistently, but about running barbecue competitions. Correct. 100%. Huge. The legitimacy, the credibility, 100%. right? Absolutely. It's a hundred, like what Gene's done for Derek and I and what Arlie's done. I mean, they've put us into the industry as, as, as young people, you know, not knowing and having that wealth of knowledge and running ideas off of them because... A lot of the things that Derek and I are trying to do are trying to, we're doing it for the long term. We're not doing it to have one event with Craig Dato, which thank you for introducing us to uh, the Turf and Surf Barbecue Championship yeah. would not happen without Ari Siegel right. setting up the Craig Dato. Put, put, put that uh, on my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> so when that when our when our the biggest event on the West Coast happens, uh, as we grow this thing out, um, you'll be a special guest. Definitely. Well, you know, it's funny, like we kind of started talking about the genesis of mine and Sean's relationship and hopefully for anyone still listening and it's probably <laughs> just our just our wives and maybe my wife doesn't listen. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so Kayla maybe. Yeah. Nate's wife, beautiful wife. Um anyone still listening like it comes back to relationships here, right? Like yeah. Craig was a friend of mine. I introduced him to Sean. Dominic was a friend of Sean's and introduced him to me. Right. Uh, and by the way, now in running our business, we have this big idea that depending on when this podcast goes up, I think was announced yesterday, the day before, um, where we want to have a first of its kind event throughout our entire market for the Valiant playoff run. We need to have an event in San Diego because unlike other brands, even though our team is called the LA Valiant, we're going to come to San Diego. We're not going to ask San Diego to come to us. We yep. are going to come to San Diego and put a flag in the ground and say, this is your Overwatch League team. Who do you think was the first person I called and said, hey, I need help. You didn't even call me. You just went on Scott, Scott, Scott and BR and just told him. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's right. I didn't even tell Sean. Sean found, <laughs> Sean found out about it while he was listening. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I, I just knew that I didn't even have to call him because I knew that Sean would be there. Right. 100%. And so we have, we're doing, remember, we're talking about a digitally native product, a product that people think about global reach and scale. They never talk about IRL experiences. We are doing for our first weekend playoff game, 
in the history of Overwatch League, um, by the way, Pacific Division champion LA Valiant, <laughs> we are attempting to do four simultaneous events throughout our market. Wow. Inland Empire, LA proper, Orange County, San Diego. Why are we doing that? We're going to where the fans are. We want to make people throughout our entire region feel like this team is coming to me on my terms. Yeah. We're not asking them all to come up to LA right now. In a few years when we have home games, we will, but let's build that relationship first, right? Mm -hmm. Each of those events will have massive value connected to it. There's a single ticket price. So if you pay the $10 ticket price, you get a free domestic draft beer or soft drink, 20% off F&B, some not for retail merchandise and swag. All of the proceeds, by the way, benefit St. Jude, St. Jude Children's Hospital. Right. Um, the only reason, by the way, we're charging a price is to help manage capacity of our venues. We're, like I said, we're donating all the money to St. Jude. Um, and each of the local events, so of the four, while they're all going to be the same in some respect, there's going to be the, that same ticket offer, the game will be on, etc., etc. Each event will have different personalities. Because each fan base is different, each market is different, each entrepreneur who owns that location has different priorities. So the ones that are in LA, we're working with the Kings to get some Kings players there or Kings assets there. The one that's it's the one that's closer to Orange County, we're working with the Galaxy to see if they can activate with us. Here in San Diego, we're working with Scott and BR to see if maybe they can do something. Or Mighty 1090, I don't know. Ari, Ari Siegel has volunteered I, to get in a tub of uh, jalapeno if, barbecue so if sauce. We hit, if, we hit our internal, <laughs> if we hit our internal team goal, if we hit when, our team, when you hit that, when we, when we hit it, we will live stream. I will be jumping in a tub of jalapeno barbecue sauce. Let's do it. On behalf, yeah, for, we we're going to do that. We should upload it to Twitch. Oh, we'll, 100%. Percent. 100%. See, what kind of, see what kind of viewership we, we draw for that. And by the way, I know you guys are constantly thinking about how to motivate staff, your teams. We divided our staff into four SWAT teams. Each SWAT team has a different party that they're working with, and they have been given carte blanche. But we've said we're competing. We're competing on the basis of who's going to sell the most tickets, who's going to drive the most attendance to these events. Everything is a competition, right? We love it. No, it's, uh, I mean, for Derek and I, just to get the education that you've laid down for us about esports and about the opportunity. I mean, you know, in, in life, what I've found personally is that business is personal um, as much as we don't want to think that it is. And it goes back to what we were talking about with relationships. And the relationships that mean the most to me are the people that they understand what we, who we are and what we're trying to do. And they understand that if, they buy into us, you're going to get 100% of me. Well, there, there is no 110%. There's 100%, and you're going to get all in. And that's me, my family, my team. Um, hopefully, Derek, if he's not too busy. Oh, here, <laughs> no, look, here, I sign him up for all kinds of shit. This is, um, this is a real story. So the first year of the Gauls, we had games on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and the Friday after Thanksgiving. So obviously, people couldn't go home for Thanksgiving. Sean was the, the restaurant was going to be closed. Cali Comfort Barbecue was going to be yeah, closed. Yeah, we did the barbecue war story because of how shitty Thanksgiving has turned out for us <laughs> smoking turkeys. So, yes, we were closed. They were closed. And I said to Sean, what am I going to do with my team? I've got all these people, like in many cases, young kids, um, some a little older, some with young families. But, like, they don't have family here. What are they going to do on the one day of Thanksgiving? And Sean... And his family, his wife was there, he was there, his team opened Cali Comfort and served our entire staff Thanksgiving Day dinner. 
That was awesome. It was the best. Honestly, it was the best event I've ever been to in my whole life. Best awesome. party I've ever been to in my whole life. Yeah. It was our staff and Sean's staff celebrating your mom, Thanksgiving your together. Your mom, your dad. My mom and dad. They couldn't stop talking about the brisket. She was, brisket. <laughs> my, my she mom, was ready to smuggle it on the plane. Yeah, she, she, she couldn't stop talking about the brisket. That's true. My uh, Derek was there with Parker. Yep. I think it was, was it Parker's first Thanksgiving, yep, I think? Was. Sam Keekheffer's dad was there. Nate and Kayla were there. I mean, our whole staff, everyone who didn't live in a drivable distance came out for that day. We had football. I mean, what's better? Right. Brine turkey, wedding beans, brisket, and football. It was awesome. Yeah, no, it was really that, cool. So w- when you when you talk about what you get with Sean, that's what you get. That's well, I mean, the commitment you get. You get. Th- those are the things beyond the sponsorship deal. And that only happens with relationships. And when you have those relationships... You know, it's not something where it's like, hey, Ari, let me get this. Let me get this. Or why didn't I get this? It's when I can do it, I could do it. Just put me on the list. Just ask me. And if you're in a pinch and you need something, I'll run through a fucking wall for you. He ain't lying. He ain't lying. I mean, you do it all the time for everybody. So and that's just a testament to who you are. Well, it's a testament to who you are, too. That's why we're as close as we are. Well, what what we should do, guys, is um, at the next... God, I'm forgetting the name of it. The, The event you guys do in Spring Valley... The block Spring, party, yeah, Spring Valley Tailgate and Barbecue Festival, which you which you almost saved with uh, the year that we we lost our. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Speaks, wow, that that's how deep the relationship is when you oh, when, yeah. when you're when you're bold <laughs> he, enough he, to ask Ari Siegel, the president, yeah. to try and run it through <clears> the Ducks organization to save the event, um, and he did everything possible to do that. Well, but but I was going to say next year we should do a gaming expo. Let's at, do it at that event. Done. We should In. we should Approved. have a bunch. We should this have, year we should have what when, what are the October twenty eighth. Yeah, we should we should bring our mobile team down. Hundred percent. We should have like maybe some like. You know, teach people how to play mobile games. For the people who do play, we can market that our teams will be there. Right. Come and play with the pros, that 100%. kind of thing. Um, figure awesome. out, we'll figure out some ways to activate. Love to get the Valiant players down there. That since, would be fantastic. You know, this, is their, this is their home. No, that'd be awesome. I'm totally I'm 100% on, that. I'm on that. Figure out a wireless partner to give us some 5G or something. Yeah, it's right? by no then. kidding, right? Absolutely. Well, we just appreciate you, man, taking the time to come down and share your story and your journey. I mean, it's been awesome and like i said just the passion that you have for what you're doing right now is really exciting to see so congratulations with that and we're excited to see where it goes it's so don't you guys you guys have are so passionate right don't you think it's weird that passion is a rare thing i don't know how people go to work without like what gets you out of bed when you're not all in right like I, i when i started my career on wall street i had a friend who died in a car accident i've talked about this many times and i was sitting at his memorial service thinking to myself Man, if I died today, like I would hate myself because mm-hmm. I didn't give a crap about what I was doing. Right. And like every day since then, just like you guys, every day it's like let's freaking attack this day. Yep, you have to. I don't know. I don't I know mean, any other way like, to do it. That, that's what drives us, and that's what gives us you know opportunities to sit here and talk to the president of Immortals. I mean, there's no reason for us to have these deep. You know, you introduce us to Bruce Howard. I mean, Craig Dato. There's a reason why this whole all these things almost, are happening almost uh, because of of Ari. <laughs> I know, really, well, everyone that we talk to, man. But there, uh, those relationships upon relationships, and you you make those connections. I mean, shit, I had. Um, uh, Kyle Whistle from uh, East County Eats, who we had on this podcast, he just hit me up yesterday to ask for Hannes's number so that he can get Pioneer Barbecue on East County Eats. I'm oh, like, fucking awesome. done in a second. Right. Here, meet these two people. These these two guys are fucking brothers for us and whatever whatever they need. So absolutely, well, we got to give our social shout out. Social shout out. Yep, social uh, shout out every week. It's going to gentlemen in Ohio, Beverly, Ohio, Blair, Bangard. 
Bankard. How would, how would you pronounce that? Uh, Bankard. I, I would go just with the handle at Blairbin. At Blairbin. Um, he's been tagging us on, on Instagram and, you know, just uh, sharing his journey. So we're excited to see uh, that he's doing that and, and taking time to do some nice barbecue, looking at all of his ribs and stuff. Looks like he's doing an amazing job. Yeah. So, can we, can, if what, what's his handle? His handle's uh, at Blairbin. At Blairbin. If you uh, DM Sean. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll we'll send you some uh, we'll send you some Valiant swag oh, too. Rad, if we can get your how, how do people find you? So follow uh, Ari on Twitter for sure, hundred percent. You can follow me at at Ari Siegel. You can follow the Valiant at, at LA Valiant. Immortals at at Immortals and MIBR at at MIBR. And to no surprise, they're crushing it on social, which is no, no well, surprise to me. That's our community manager, Steve Fortin. The guy is uh, we call him the he's the the. Team leader of uh, Meme Team Six. Nice. I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. I like it. Well, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm going to be out for a week. Derek is going to be doing a special episode for 4th of July. So we have our bye week, and then we're going to come right back. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to do one with uh, Chad Ward. Trigger Grills. Trigger Grills. He's going to come down. He's a you know friend of ours. We've been with him many times and gone to different events and hung out and um gonna have him on here feed him some pokey some barbecue and shoot the shit about barbecue and what he's doing he's doing a lot of stuff with trigger man they're doing a lot of stuff they're out there he's always traveling so i'm excited to shoot the shit with him i'm really excited to hear an episode without me in it it's gonna be fucking <laughs> you <know>, great <laughs> you gotta get sean you gotta get uh cory on to talk about salad oh yeah yeah a hundred percent hundred percent so, oh, happy Father's Day to you, too, oh. for you and your, your little man. First we're, one. We're you, all, too, right? Know, yeah, both, all of us. Congratulations. And you. He's got a couple. Yeah. Wow. A lot of new fathers here. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. Check out uh, Valiant and come watch Ari get in a bath of uh, jalapeno barbecue sauce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, live, I think the website is livethelegacy.com. Um, we'll, we'll put it in the we'll, show notes. We'll put it out. So come out to the event at Cali Comfort Barbecue and Boom. support the Valiant. Hey guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, we also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved. We also have show notes uh, from all the episodes. So anything we talked about in the episodes, you can find detailed show notes there. Um, plus, you can just get in touch with us. It's important that uh, we're here as a resource for you. So please reach out. Let us know how Derek and I can help you with your barbecue journey. Uh, get involved. Stay curious. And uh, follow us on social at Barbecue War Stories. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.